Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. We're going to look at a part two of uh, last week's message that I titled Limitless. And uh, before you think or have noticed or perhaps are wondering, have they forgot about communion this morning? The great news is, is we have not forgot about communion. Uh, I, I really felt uh, just over the last 24, 48 hours, even as I finished preparing this message, it's a really, really fitting way to wrap, wrap up this series of Limitless to share around a time of communion together. So we'll be doing that this morning. Hey, um, I don't know about you, but I can't believe that we're already here and it's 2020. Said last week that it only feels like yesterday that we're all buying heaps of baked beans and canned soup because the Y2K bug was going to shut down the world as we knew it. And uh, all of a sudden, here we are, 2020, and I uh, hate to tell you this, but we're already rapidly approaching one-twelfth of the way through 2020. I was going to give you the amount of days till Christmas, but I thought I probably wouldn't get out alive this morning. I don't know how you roll, and uh, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, I tend not to make New Year's resolutions, uh, primarily because most times I've made them, I fail to follow through on them, and it just sets me up for disappointment. Uh, If you're smashing New Year's resolutions this morning, turn to your neighbour and give them a high five, because that's awesome. Uh, But I want to have a little, yeah, there you go, there's a few of you high-fiving. I wonder if uh, I could invite you this morning, as I did last week, uh, to maybe join me in what I think is a pretty simple yet powerful, even though I've said what I've said, but if I could call it a New Year's resolution, a new way of thinking. I wonder if you would join me in that this year. A child once asked this question, what does God do all day? What does God do all day? And if the answer to that question depended on how much we allow God to do in our individual lives, there are moments where some of us would have to answer that question with not very much. You see, in 2020, I want to limit God less. For me, for my family, for my house, that's our simple prayer for 2020. We want to limit God less in our lives. We want to know what it is to live a limitless life. And you're probably thinking this morning, a pastor needs to limit God less. Well, yep, that would be a pretty good start. Uh, Can I tell you this morning, my, my world really, my life is no different to your life. And there are moments where I am very, very good and very, very capable at limiting what God can do in my world, as I'm sure we all can do. See, I want to live a limitless life. You know, I've discovered that most of us go okay at trying to hide our own limitations. We tend not to want people to see things that we can't do, that we're not good at, our inadequacies, our limitations, our weaknesses. We try to hide those things. But it's interesting that people who are strong in the faith journey find a place where they can be okay with their limitations. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10 says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Interesting. See, the more we learn to depend on God, the more opportunity that it actually gives to him, allows him to be active in our life. Can I hear an amen this morning? I'm just giving you a little overview of last week for those that weren't here and many faces here this morning that are fresh back from holidays. Good to have you with us. Our key text that we looked at last week was Mark chapter 6. And we're going to take a quick read through that and just refresh on the story where we see how is it we can limit God at work in our lives. Mark chapter 6 verse 1 to 2 says this, He left there and returned to his hometown and his disciples came along. On the Sabbath he gave a lecture in the meeting place. He made a real hit, impressing everyone. We had no idea he was this good, they said. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? How did he get such ability? But in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude and Simon and his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling. And they never got any further. Jesus told them a prophet has little honour in his hometown, among his relatives, on the streets he played in as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching. It's interesting that we read here that Jesus in his hometown was able to do very little because of familiarity, essentially. Here's a bunch of people, the Nazarenes, who have just gone, we know who Jesus is, Mary's boy, the carpenter's son. And this morning from the outset, I'd like to challenge our own thinking that how often do we miss something that God is doing because we are familiar with a situation, familiar with a preacher, familiar with a voice, familiar with God's word, and we actually miss out on what God wants to do. At the beginning of chapter 6 that we've just read, we see Jesus travelling with his disciples from Capernaum, heading to his hometown of Nazareth, and according to Google Maps, that's about 8 hours and 47 minute walk. And here's Jesus heading home. Coming back to Nazareth, preached up a storm all around the Sea of Galilee. Life was good, things were going great, ministry was booming. And here's Jesus on his homecoming, returning to a place that he knew well, where he was known well, seeing people that he grew up with, going back to a place that was familiar. Here we see a picture of the Nazarenes as Jesus comes back into his hometown. Here we see a picture of the Nazarenes greeting a familiar Jesus. Jesus, 
the carpenter's son. I wonder how much this morning did the Nazarenes miss out on because of their familiarity toward Jesus. I wonder how much more the Bible could say about this story where Jesus came back to his hometown if the Nazarenes hadn't have just put Jesus in a box. I wonder if at times we, like the Nazarenes, can also treat Jesus with a sense of familiarity. And we look at Jesus, and we talked about this week, uh, this last week, but we look at Jesus as the carpenter's son. The young guy that had a bit of a go and moved on and went to chase bigger and greater things elsewhere, and that was just Jesus, Mary's boy. You know the story. When really we should view Jesus as God's only son. We treat Jesus as the spare wheel in the boot of the car instead of allowing Jesus to control the car and navigate our life. Let me ask a question this morning. I wonder how much more could God have done in the Nazarenes' lives if they had not placed limitations on Jesus? I wonder how much more God could have done. I wonder what Mark 6 would read like if when Jesus came home, they greeted Jesus, God's only son, and not Jesus, the carpenter's son. I wonder how much more this morning could God do in our lives? How much more could God do in your life this morning if perhaps we stopped treated Jesus as the carpenter's son and greeted Jesus, God's only son, today? Because I believe with all my heart that as we launch into 2020, the way in which we view Jesus, the way in which we greet Jesus will rapidly and significantly change what 2020 looks like for each and every one of us. You know, if we're honest this morning, if we were honest with one another, honest with each other today, Many of us, and I include myself in that bracket, go okay at placing limitations on Jesus. We go okay at limiting God's work in our own lives. And I'm not condemning you this morning because if it makes you feel any better today, there's a pretty long list of people that went before us who restricted their creator in exactly the same way. We can think of Moses and Thomas and David, the Israelites, the Nazarenes. There's a whole bunch of people that the scripture talks about who were pretty good at limiting Jesus and God to do his thing in their lives. Speaking of the Israelites, we read in Psalm 78, verse 41 to 42, it says this, it says, Again and again, they tested God's patience. And provoke the Holy One of Israel. Probably not the smartest thing to do. Verse 42 says, They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies. Here we see a picture. The Israelites going round and round and round and round. Whoever feels like they're just going round in circles. Come on, let's be honest this morning. And here we see a picture of people limiting 
God's ability to come through in their situation because of familiarity and the ability to limit God's power and work in their life. Well, today for the remainder of our time, I want to look at six ways that we, perhaps like the Nazarenes or the Israelites or Moses or whoever you uh, can relate to this morning, I want to take a moment to look at six ways that we often limit Jesus in our lives. Now, I want you to understand this morning, I'm not trying to teach you six ways to limit Jesus in your life, okay? Can we just get that clear? If you're taking notes this morning, this is not the top six ways to limit Jesus. If that's how you take this, then help, uh, because that's not the intention. What I want this morning is to share six ways and highlight six ways that we limit Jesus, that we limit God in our life so that in 2020, we are absolutely set up with an awareness. If I don't limit God in this way, God will have a far greater opportunity to engage on my behalf. Who's excited about that? Who's believing for a great 2020? I love that song that we sung this morning, I'm going to see a victory. I want to spur you on a little bit this morning as well. I, I, I've come here this morning, there's some things that I require from God. I'm looking to God right now for some miracles in my life. And uh, I just want to put it out there that maybe today, if you've come and you go, I, I don't need a miracle as such, I, I don't really need a breakthrough. Can I suggest to us all this morning that we need to push a little harder into God? Because I believe that Bible teaches us. I believe that because of Jesus, God always has more for us. And what I walked in in 2019 and whatever you navigated in 2019 isn't the end of your story. Who's glad about that? God has more for you and maybe there's breakthrough that you require. Maybe there's a miracle in regards to health. Maybe there's a miracle in regards to relationship, business, whatever it is. I believe and I'm trusting God in 2020 for some breakthrough. Can I hear an amen? See, God doesn't want us to live a life that's wrapped up and surrounded by limitations. God wants us to know what it is to live in the fullness of all that he has for us. So this morning, let's tackle six things. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, but six things that create limits around our life and relationship with Jesus this morning. Number one, everybody say number one. Number one is this, lack of trust. Turn to your neighbor and say lack of trust. Isn't it interesting that when we're going through things, when we're navigating stuff in life, I think a great way that we can measure with how are we going with this is how are we going with trusting Jesus? How are we going with trust? Interesting that we only seem to want to trust when, we're, when we are assured that things will work out the way we hoped and the way that we had planned. I'm 38, approaching 39, and I've discovered a couple of things, and one of those things, quite simply, is this. Life doesn't always go as you would hope or plan. Yeah, there, there you go. That's the biggest bit of gold you'll get. <laughs> Life doesn't always go the way we would hope 
nor does it go the way we would plan. Life doesn't always work out like that. And it seems we have this tendency to try and manage life and we try and steer life and we try and direct where God should take us and we hang on for dear life and say on this side of the the line, God, I trust you, God, I trust you. Then we jump back in the car of life and we go, God, you know, Jesus, you're good in the boot as the spare tire. I've got this baby. I'll steer it all the way home. We try and do it in our own strength. You know, the Bible talks about often that our faith journey is like something of blind faith because we can't always see where God's taking us. And it's in the moments where we can't see where God is taking us that perhaps it requires the greatest sense of trust we've ever extended. When you're in a situation in life and you're going, God, i got no idea where this is going, and God, I have no idea how this is going to end. It's in those scary times that we truly need to engage our trust in Jesus. Proverbs 3 and 5 puts it this way. You know this verse, trust in the Lord. On Sundays and in your quiet prayer time once or twice or three or whatever times a week. And outside of that, if it gets messy, grab hold onto that steering wheel baby and drive that thing as far and quick as you can and do it your way. No, that is not what the Bible says. It says, trust in the Lord with not part, not a portion, but with all of your heart. Are you hearing me this morning? See, when we don't trust God, when we don't place our trust in God to move in our situation or to come through for us, simply put, we are actually removing the power from him to bring breakthrough, to bring a miracle, to move a mountain. Can I tell you today that in 2020, I don't want to limit what God can do on my behalf. I don't want to be sitting around going, God, I trust you, but I'm going to steer this thing and, you know, we'll constantly play this game of you versus I. I want to know what it is, as I'm sure you do this morning, want to know what it is to see Jesus bring a breakthrough, bring a miracle in our 2020. Can I hear an amen today? Number two, another way that we can limit God's power and what Jesus could do in our life. Number two is this. Everybody say, we fear sacrifice. Come on, you can do better than that. We fear sacrifice. A word we like to associate with Jesus and We can accept that Jesus was good at following through on sacrifice. But we don't like to think about it in reference too often of what does God require me to sacrifice. Often we fear that God is going to make us do something that we don't necessarily want to do. And let's face it, none of us want that really. Sometimes we limit God due to fear, fear that he'll make us give something up. 
something that's significant, something that's valuable, something that's comfortable. This could be anything. It could be time, possessions, it could be money. Think about this, it could even be the sin that you struggle with. You know, being selfish always keeps you isolated. Always keeps you isolated. But we understand that giving and sacrifice has the power to repair and restore. Interesting that God works through people. God wants to work through your life really like he did through the life of Jesus. And can I say this morning that there are people who miss out on what God wants to do in and through us when we choose to be selfish and not sacrifice. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. God understands the power that there is no greater sacrifice than to lay down one's life, to sacrifice, to give up something for the sake of a friend. What if Jesus allowed selfishness to stop him from healing others and allowed selfishness to stop him from going to the cross. I wonder what it would have looked like if Jesus said, hey, God, your plan's a good one, except it doesn't really work with my schedule. It doesn't work with my plan. And I'm not up for sacrificing something that's personal and dear to me. Can I put to you this morning that every single one of us would be in a very, very different place. And every one of us this morning would be without a saviour if Jesus wasn't willing to sacrifice and give up something that he valued so dearly being his own life. This morning, are you with me? Number three, somebody say we lean on ourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say we lean on ourselves. The third way that we can limit Jesus in our life is leaning upon ourselves. We can so easily rely on our own power, our own gifting, our own talent. And whenever we do that, we truly limit God in a massive way. I remember being young and uh, I'm talking like 15 and I can remember growing up playing music. For me it was drums and some people call that music and uh, playing drums and I, I just remember that was my comfortable place. I was a nervous, quiet little guy and hard to believe, right? And uh, I remember really clearly if you put me behind a drum set, I'd sit in front of anyone because I felt comfortable. I felt safe. I knew I had some 
ability in that space and I could rely upon that and that was okay. As time moved and as life progressed, maybe slowly, you begin to realise that God has more for you and God wants to do more with you. If I could give you another little tip this morning, quite often the very area that God wants to use in your life is often the one that scares you the most because you don't feel like you're up for the task. Remember Moses? That story where God goes, hey Moses, I've got a task for you, I've got a job for you. Moses is like, no, 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 God, you got, you got the wrong guy, remember? I don't talk so well. I don't like being in front of people. Whenever we rely on our own talent, our own gift, we are seriously limiting God in a massive way. You see, man is incomplete and ineffective without God. Without God, we have really, at the end of the day, nothing. The Bible teaches that we ought to do this. We read it before, verse 5 of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second part of that is to lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. See, leaning on our own power, leaning on our own understanding will always limit our ability. It will always limit God's ability to do great things in and through us. I want to encourage you this morning, church, in 2020, let's be a people that opens up their heart, opens up our life to God, allowing Him to teach and to grow us, to shift our understanding from a limited understanding to a greater understanding. Allowing God to do great things in and through your life in 2020. I said before and I want to say again, God wants to bring you a victory. God wants to do a miracle for you. God wants to bring blessing and favour and yeah, there are battles and God allows those as well. But God's a good God who knows how to give his children good gifts. And he wants to bless us. He wants to journey with us. He wants to grow us. Can I encourage you this morning? Let's not limit God by leaning on ourselves in 2020. Number four. Somebody say number four. Number four is this. We limit God in our life when we live by feelings. When we live by our feelings, we always limit God. We do this thing where we play a game. If we're happy, God's good and he's around and he's close. But if we are down, God's nowhere. Where is he? Where's God gone? I'm having a bad day. Where is he now? When we're happy, he's with us. But when we're having a bad day, we can't seem to find God anywhere. Can I encourage you this morning that no no matter how many times we want to put God in a box and mould him to the way we feel, can I tell you by experience, we are absolutely no doubt, not any reason to think any other way, 
we know that we are wasting our time. Because God is not in a position where he shifts based on the way we feel. God's day isn't a good day determined on whether we have a good day or whether we have a bad day. God is good. Amen. The Bible tells us that God is omnipresent, simply meaning that God is everywhere. We think we can't find him, but he's everywhere. He's there if we're happy. He's there if we're sad. He's there if we're having a good day. He's there if we're having a great day. He's there if we're having a bad day. He's there if we've had the worst year of our life. God is there. Jeremiah 23, 24 says this, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? declares the Lord. Do, I, do not I, do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is everywhere. 2 Corinthians says this, 1, uh, verse 6 is to 7, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And God's everywhere. No matter what we go through, no matter what we face, no matter what your years look like, no matter what you think 2020 is going to look like, no matter how much money is in your bank, no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter, God is good and God is everywhere. He's not based on our feelings. You see, I've learnt that when we limit God to our emotional highs, and hallelujah, praise Jesus, I'm feeling great, so you're great. When we limit God to that moment, we perhaps miss out on some of life's most intimate times with our Father in heaven, navigating the valleys, the unknowns, the tough times. And when we limit Jesus to emotional highs, we are doing ourselves an incredible, incredible disservice by not giving God the opportunity to navigate our tough times as well. Are you with me this morning? We're on the home straight here. Point number five is this. You want to limit Jesus? You want to limit God in your life? We certainly do that when we sin. I'm not telling you anything new this morning. But the Bible tells us, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In my world, that was not a one-off occasion where I sinned on the 13th of March, uh, 1993, at 2.35 p.m. Sin is a constant battle in my world, and I'm sure it's a constant battle in your world as well. Here's some cool news. God can reside in any single one of our hearts. God wants to take up residency. Jesus wants to live in you through the Holy Spirit. He can do that in any single one of us. But here's something that's cool. God gave us a free will. God gave us the ability to choose whether or not we would allow him to do that. And because of that, God won't go where he's not invited. Here's some thoughts. Sin distorts 
our communication with God. I have this picture in my head of maybe showing my age, but when I was a little boy, Dad had an old uh, radio wireless in the shed. And every time you went to the shed, Dad would turn it on and spend the next 15 minutes trying to tune that thing in so he could hear clearly. And I kind of get this picture where sin has this incredible capacity to distort what we hear and distort how we communicate with God. And it certainly hinders us from hearing from him clearly. Let me tell you this morning, church, sin is a serious, serious issue. It's a serious issue. None of us should ever play games with sin. None of us should ever go, yeah, sin, sin, but, you know, whatever. God will forgive me so I can mess up here and run back there and it'll be okay. And I can just play this game where I run over to sin because that feels great and I love it. Then I can run back to God for a big cuddle and I know that once I've got the cuddle, that's all good, which gives me license to run back to sin. And it's not how God intended it to be. Sin is a serious issue. Sin is the one thing that will keep you separated from God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if it's left undealt with, let me tell you, they are the consequences of sin. There's some great news though. God is over here waiting for us to come running back. He is. 1 John 1 9 says this if we confess our sins, let's not rush ahead in that verse. Ponder that first word, if. If we confess our sins, forget about the rest of the verse, because it all hinges on if, and it all hinges on what are you going to do with sin in your life. But it tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Who's glad about that this morning? But it's all based on if. What are you doing with your sin? Are you dealing with it? Are you entertaining it? Church, always remember that God is a merciful God. And he'll wash you clean from sin. He wants to wrap his arms around you. And this morning, you don't need to worry, how could God love me? How could God take my mess and embrace it and love me and transform me? Can I tell you this morning that God is longing to embrace you and restore you this morning? Romans 8.38 says this, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. Verse 39, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I tell you that there is nothing, can I put in brackets this morning, other than sin that can separate us from God's love? Because we have the ability to limit God engaging with us if we continually entertain sin in our life. Are you with me this morning? That's the big one. 
wouldn't have been uh, super nice to end on that one because that's a bit confronting. So number six, here we go. Turn to your neighbour this morning and say, we lack expectation. Oh, you guys are asleep. I'm going to go slower unless you wake up this morning. Turn to your neighbour and say, we lack expectation. Excellent. The alarm just went off and you hit snooze once. Let's say it again. We lack expectation. There you go. Some of you are slowly waking up. That's a beautiful thing. If you want to limit God in your life, can I tell you a great way to do that is limit your expectation of what God can do. Here's a question. Do you doubt whether God can answer your prayers? Do you doubt whether God's able to do what you can't do? If that's the case, you are certainly limiting God to move in your life. And regardless of the reasoning of why you feel or why you think that way, the reality is you're restraining, you're holding God back. You're not allowing him to move or be part of your journey. You know, a lack of expectation doesn't only limit God, but it can cause us to become very complacent in our faith. And when we stop expecting God to bring breakthrough, we can so easily just sit there and go through the motions, turn up to church on a Sunday, tick the box, get me out of here, lunch is ready. Or we could turn up on a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and wake up and go, God, today I expect you to do great things. Expectation. We should expect God to do great things. We should expect God to give us favour. We've sung it this morning and maybe some of us just sung it because they were words in front of us and as a church, that's what we do. One sings, we all sing. Maybe this morning, we should expect to see a victory. Maybe this morning, there's some residual carryover from 2019 into 2020. And you've already accepted in your heart, that's just what it's going to be like in 2020. Who told you to think that way? Because it wasn't God. Because God wants to bring a victory. God wants to bring favour and breakthrough in your life this morning. Can I encourage you, church? We need to allow God to lift our expectation. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, Aggie shared around this this morning, then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There should be something in you that stirs. There should be a glimmer of hope. There should be a growing expectation. Because God is a good God and he wants to do good things in your life. And God wants to bring you into victory. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to invite the worship team back up this morning. We're almost done. I thought, as we wrap this up, 
as we launch into 2020 and as we seek God's face and as we kind of lay a platform for the year ahead, what better way to do that than around communion? The great news this morning is this. We place many limits on God. We all do it. But the good thing is this morning, we can always come running back to our Father because his arms are always open. And God wants to take the limits off of your life. I love these verses. John 10. Most of us just read John 10 and 10. I like verse 9. It says this, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they'll find pasture. Verse 10. But here's the warning. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In my words, here's Jesus. I have come that you may know what it is to live a limitless life.